Let me pick up what Scott said about last week. Uh, tell you what God did last week, and uh, because you were faithful in inviting and sharing Christ in front of others, uh, God drew many, many people to Himself. And there's quite a rejoicing that took place all across the world. Quite frankly, on Easter, I often wonder what that day must be like in heaven, uh, because Luke 15 says that the angels rejoice when one sinner repents, and on a day where a lot of churches take the opportunity to present uh, the gospel in a clear way. Here in our services, uh, and including uh, children's ministries too, where the gospel was, pre- was presented, in this service here, uh, in the services here in the main and the link in our thought three services, we saw 121 people give their lives to Christ last week. And praise God for that. Yeah, praise the Lord. And then our children's ministry also, uh, you know, the the. Teachers shared, and they saw 109 decisions up there. So we saw 230 people make decisions for Jesus Christ last week. Now, that's awesome. Praise the Lord for that. Um, I'm excited today that we can begin this journey uh, on this uh, new series, His Fight and Her Fight. And uh, we begin uh, a a battle looking at the battles that men and women face. I'm convinced that, that we have many battles and I took in some information from the ladies and my special ladies, my wife and my daughter. I even asked my daughter, who is an RA in a college at Grace. And, and I asked her, I said, Hannah, if there was one battle or one fight or a message that you would give to, to young girls, single girls and, and women, what, what do you think the battle is? And, and so as I talked to her, she was saying, Dad, this, this, is, this is the one. This is the one that, that if, if I were speaking that I would address. She says, I deal with it. I have... I have late evening talks with my girls in my halls. I have early morning talks with the girls in my hall. Um, this is where women our age are dealing with. And even the same conversation with my wife. And, and so today we're going to begin with her fight. Next week, his fight, her fight, and then his fight. Four-week series. And we're going to look at the battles that men and women. So you'll see that even in these messages, even though they're directed towards a, a, a specific sex, you'll see that we both can benefit from it today. And yet, I believe that this battle here is the primary battle that every woman fights. I believe that this is the battle that you will fight and battle for the rest of your lives unless you lean on Jesus Christ and you become an overcomer. I believe this battle began in the beginning. And I believe that this fight is the one that in some form or fashion, you fought with it this morning. You battled it this morning when you woke up. And this battle, this fight, is the fight to be noticed. The fight to be noticed in our world. And it's like you you go on this daily struggle, this daily journey of trying to be noticed, trying to be affirmed, trying to stick out in the crowd, trying to stand out. And the best way I can describe it is just take a look at this clip right here. You know what my biggest problem is? I can never be on time. But I really don't think it's my fault because I only have 23 hours in a day since I'm a girl. And the reason is because I spend 60 minutes trapped in a bathroom. It's like Halloween. Trick or treat, Halloween, every day. And my trick is that I make people think that this is the way I look every single day. And my treat is compliments and different looks from people when I pass them, and they really notice me. And, oh, it's so great. Why shouldn't I take pride in it? I mean, people are always saying first impressions are everything, 
And it's true, they really are. Gosh, I just can't help but think that I could meet somebody today. You know, today could be the day that I meet someone. But he'll know that this isn't really what I look like. Like, I'm just covering up all my imperfections. And you know, I take so much time to do this. And it's not just, like, the makeup. Because I mean, after the makeup, you have to do your hair. And, oh, my gosh, there's always problems with the hair. And then you know, there's always a new outfit and new shoes. And it's just this never good enough, never ending presentation and that's why it just takes so much time and I'm never having enough time anymore and why why is it like this oh gosh I'm just really sick of Halloween being every day if you honestly answered this question I'm about to ask you where would you land when you stood in front of the mirror today, ladies, before you walked into the services today, did this thought occur to you? Boy, I don't like the way I look. I don't feel very good about myself. Or, I like the way I look now because I did this, or I did that, or I put on that. Did you stand before the mirror today and, and even... Take it even deeper. How many days when you stand in front of the mirror does your, is your beauty based upon how you fix yourself up? Is it Halloween for you every single day? The question that really drives that answer is the root question of this. Who are you trying to be pretty for? Why don't you feel beautiful? Or is it possible that you could be beautiful regardless of what's out here? Every day of your life, you have to ask yourself this question. How do I feel about the way I look? How many days in a normal week do you walk out of the house and you've already changed your outfit three times? How many times today did you actually change your hairstyle? How many times today did you stand in front of there and think this thought, boy, I don't like the way I look. The fight to be noticed is one of the primary battles that you will battle with the rest of your life. A survey, in fact, was taken with junior high girls. And they were asked to describe the perfect girl. Now, this is Christian and non-Christian. Just junior high girls across America. And they were asked to describe, in their words, by, by the order of importance, what they thought and who they thought was the perfect girl. This is the order of significance and importance. This, these were their answers. Their response went like this. Thin, blonde, popular, beautiful, athletic, has big breasts, has a boyfriend, confident, straight white teeth, no braces, has her own car, doesn't have zits, has her own phone. Now, in a junior high world, when beauty is based entirely on an outward appearance, externally, when our value and your value as ladies and your beauty is based completely on outward experience, you will go the rest of your life trying to become beautiful on the outside. 
Yet the Bible says something completely different. My hope today is this. My hope is this, that when you leave this place today, ladies, that I will dismantle with God's word what real beauty is, what real security is, what real confidence is, and what you can actually be when you leave this place and the person that Christ wants you to be, you could be that person without having to do all the Halloween mess every single day. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to begin there as the foundation for this message today. If you need a Bible, hold your hands up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 5. Peter had some really good things to say to women, to wives, regarding beauty and where beauty is found. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 5. We're going to see what real beauty is, and we're going to try to address this fight to be noticed and give you a battle plan for this fight so that you can be an overcomer. Stand with me and we'll read it together. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 3 through 5. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Read. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. You may have a seat. Peter says this to women today. He says this, that beauty should start from the inside out, a quiet and gentle spirit. This inner beauty that you feel. Now, let me just give a sidebar here. There's nothing wrong with, with beautiful clothing. There's nothing wrong with, with, with hairstyles that you like. There's nothing wrong with gold jewelry. There's nothing wrong with necklaces. In fact, there's some really, really fine necklaces that jewelry that you can wear. There's some really, really nice hairdos that my wife wears that I, I, I love her in those and my daughter the same. Nothing wrong. But what I'm going to do is dismantle that if that's the only place that you're placing your value and your identity and your security, then you're in trouble. You will go the rest of your life, ladies, trying to be secure, trying to have identity, and you will have an identity crisis till you go to the grave unless this beauty comes from within and you define yourself and your identity in the God who created you. I see it happen every day in our world. This gorgeous, God-created, beautiful baby girl is born. And she grows up in a home where dad gives her zero or little attention. Or gets lost in chasing his dream, his goals, or mom's goals. And, 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 and so the attention that he should be giving his children, specifically his daughter, gets placed on the shelf. And he primarily becomes the provider. He, he buys her things. He, he gives her a home to live in. But on a deeper level, she wants to know that he believes that she's beautiful. She wants to look back on her life and these important highlight pinnacle moments in her life. She wants to see dad in the picture, time, space, and touch. And so what happens is, is there are many women in this room who have been directly impacted because of their father not being there. But she wants so badly to feel beautiful that she looks for identity in any place she can find it. Let me just ask a personal question. Don't answer it by raising a hand. Just ask this question. 
How much has your relationship, women, and your beauty and your confidence been impacted by your father, good or bad? How many of you still have daddy issues? I had this conversation with my daughter recently, and she's in that age of, of, of college-age girls. And I said, Hannah, how many girls on your halls have daddy issues? She said, Dad, 65% of them do. 65% of the girls, that's what I talk about. They have daddy issues. They're still struggling with their dad not being there, their dad not touching them, their dad not pouring into them. And because of that, their identity is being shattered and being broken because they don't know where to find security, so they're trying to find it in other places. The good news is this. You can overcome the missing dad syndrome. This battle to be noticed started when you were very young, and it was never fully developed in many ladies in this room. I can tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've been in counseling situations or even just talking to couples or talking to women where this was the issue. This was the root issue. And it went something like this. I wish my father would have. I wish my dad would have been. I wish, I wish, I wish. And what has happened is you've let that thing, you've let that time in your life, you let that man in your life, you let that force you to become a victim instead of overcoming and connecting to the real Father God who sees you as beautiful. And you could go the rest of your life struggling with this and fighting this. And so what you do, you're looking for ways to get affirmed. You're looking for ways to get attention. So when you get dressed up, you want to walk out and you want someone to notice you. Because when someone notices you, says something about you, outwardly, you feel good about yourself. Yet inwardly, you're still struggling because that is only temporary. Let me just say it. I would say it this way. The trajectory of a woman's beauty, security, and confidence is impacted greatly by the touch or lack of touch of a dad. I'm challenged by that, by the way. Every man in this room should be challenged. Every father who has young daughters should be challenged by that. Y'all should be encouraged by that. Because God has given us the opportunity to, to raise daughters who are confident from the inside out with this quiet, gentle spirit that allows them to radiate beauty from the inside out. God has uniquely positioned us men, listen, to, to have this unusual ability to pour confidence into our daughters that even moms can't do. We should take that by the horns. We should be proud of it. And we should be the most tender, loving, God-fearing warriors, dads on planet Earth. Can I have one amen on that? We should be that way. It's an awesome privilege to have that awesome opportunity in someone's life. But before I go any farther, I know this is a huge issue in women's lives. I want you to fight this battle and win it. It's one of the reasons I have such a passion for men's ministry. It's one of the reasons I believe with all my heart that if you get the man, you get the family. You get the family, you get the community, and you get the, you get the world. And it begins with a father who's chasing after Jesus, who, who gently loves his wife and tenderly loves his daughter and his sons. Let me just show you how that plays out. 
you know, even now, I, I raised in Hannah this morning, I went down, we have a clothing box downstairs and there are clothes that she wore when she was young. And when she was little, she would often, she would, she would put clothes on and she would run into the room. Some of you know, you have young daughters now. Daughters love to dress up. They want to be noticed. They like being princesses. And so they, they, they put on their, 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 their shoes and their gowns and they come in the room and they're, the, Hannah would walk into the room and she would say something like, Daddy, Daddy, look, Daddy, look, 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 look. And I would say something like, Honey, you are beautiful. I still say that to my daughter because she is beautiful. And I say that to my wife too. Inside, they're just beautiful and they just radiate. And so she would walk into the room and even more so recently, I'm watching my, my niece who, who lives in Winona Lake now, Ileana. She just turned three yesterday, and we have this, this awesome opportunity to watch her grow up. And, and, and from time to time, they visit, and they bring her by, and she loves going to the box of clothes that Hannah has. She puts on the same shoes. She puts on the, the same gown. And, and I've I watched her, and I've watched her put on these shoes. And sometimes I see these things. Man, they grow up so quickly. Let me just say some of fathers. Don't miss out on this time in your kid's life, especially your daughter's. Don't let a television or a sports game get you distracted. Don't let your own selfish dreams get in the way of a daughter who just wants to say, look, daddy, look, look, look. So Ileana will even put these same shoes on and and she wants to be the princess and she carries her wand around. And I I remember when when Hannah would would put on this dress and she would walk across the basement and she would twirl and man, she's so beautiful even now, but she just wanted to be noticed. And so she wanted to be the princess of the house. And I would say, Hannah, you are beautiful. It's not just her, it's every woman in this room longs to know that her daddy thinks she's beautiful, that her daddy notices her. Watch Ileana do the same thing. Listen to me, dads. Sidebar, we have great opportunity to pour into our daughters and let them know that, that they are beautiful. A woman's view of God is shaped by the way she viewed her dad. Now, this is how, this is how God set it up. Think about this for a second. A girl's view, as she begins to grow and mature, her view of God, like when she begins to think about Father God, she begins to think through the lens. All right, what kind of dad did I have? My dad was like this, so God must be like that. My dad was like this, so God must be like that. My dad was angry, so God is an angry God. My God God must be like this because my dad was abusive. So God must be an abusive God. My dad, my dad was gentle. So God must be a gentle God. My, my dad was absent. I couldn't find him. Like, so God doesn't have time for me. Why would I go to him? And so their initial view of God is shaped by the way, fathers, that we've treated our daughters. Listen to me a second. It's not too late, by the way. It's not too late to get this right. We, we just not throwing the white flag and say I give up. It's not too late to show them the kind of love that God has encouraged us to give them. And so every girl wants to know that her dad is a provider, a loving God. And so day after day, every girl, based upon her view at home of her father, that's how she sees God. You can see the hurdles that they have to overcome. It's hard enough 
when you're opposed by the enemy. And now you have a father that's not there. And so their view, some will make this decision whether or not to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior based upon how a dad treated his daughters. Man, I don't take that in a negative way. I say, boy, my kid's got a chance. If we live for Christ and we chase after him, our daughters have a chance to chase after Jesus too. Scripture gives us a picture of this. And sometimes it's hard because when you think of the past, when you think of your father, all you see is this. Let me give you the truth. Let me give you what the truth is today. And I'm going to ask you just just for a second, just say, God, forgive this past. God, let me look forward, pressing ahead, and, and turn to Psalm chapter 45. Look at Psalm chapter 45. Turn there with me. I want to show you what God thinks of you. Psalm chapter 45. Turn to Psalm chapter 45. Let me show you what God thinks of you. Let me tell you what the, the, the God the Father thinks about you. Psalm chapter 45. Psalm 45 in verse 10 says this. I love how the author even clarifies. And, and like he wants to stop and say, okay, make sure you get this. He says, listen who? Who's he said? Daughter, and pay what attention? Okay, so know what that means? All right, that means underline. That means highlight in your mobile device. It means in the midst of all this, he's saying, listen to me. He says, daughters, pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house. In other words, forget how you were brought up. Forget for a second that, that, that you didn't have a dad that was there. Forget that you had a dad that left you. Forget that maybe you had a dad that abused you. Just forget for a second. Just, just forget all that. And then he says this. Look what the author says here. Let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honor him, for he is your what? Here's what this author is saying, please. If... Listen to me, ladies. I'm sorry for some of your past that you had to deal with some just horrible things. But listen, pay careful attention to what this word says. Please, the author says, the king is enthralled by your beauty. The king, when you, before you woke up, thinks you're beautiful before you stood in front of that mirror for an hour. The king thinks you, you one version says, he is wild about you. The king, before you fixed your hair, before you put on your dress, before you changed the color of your hair for the 17th time, the king is enthralled with your beauty. When's the last time you felt that way, ladies? When's the last time anyone ever said that to you and really, really meant it and didn't do it just because they wanted something from you? This author says, don't miss a word. The king is enthralled by your beauty. The God who holds the world together looks down on planet earth and says, "Woo, that's my girl. Woo-hoo, I love you. I am enthralled with your beauty. I am wowed about you. Doesn't it want to make you get on your dress and do a little twirl? Say, look, Daddy, look, Daddy, look, Daddy. He said, I see you. I saw you before you got out of bed today and stood in front of the mirror. I am wowed about you. 
Ladies, you must let God the Father become the Father that you so need or want, or you will spend the rest of your life struggling with this need to be noticed. You must let God the Father become the Father that you so need or want and not live as a victim the rest of your life. It's time to overcome and say, regardless of my past, regardless of this, I will no longer be defined by that man. I'll be defined by that God. Can I have a couple of amens out of that? Ladies, if you get that one down, it changes everything. It's a game changer. And I've seen it happen with ladies. I've watched this game-changing decision take place. When you do, you stop trying to perform for others to gain their attention. You find courage to stand confidently on your own. Your purpose, significance, and identity is in God the Father, and it's not in how you look or how you dress or how many compliments you'll get today when you walk through this world. And you realize that you no longer have to perform or produce for him because he loves you, not for what you can do, but for who you are. See, see, God loved us before we even were born. He sent Jesus to the cross to die for our messes. Ladies, no man can ever do for you what Jesus can do for you. So if you're like, well, I'm trying to dress up so I can get the notice of that guy and so that I can have him and so that I can feel secure. Let me say, that's only temporary. Listen, that's only temporary. No man can do for you what Jesus can do because Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you and he's already enthralled by your beauty. You must finally let God the Father be the father that you always wish your father was. Listen to me, you must, you must let God the Father be the Father that you always wished your father would have been. Then you no longer have to say, but my dad wasn't there for me. You see, when you begin to continually surface that phrase as a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 25-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old, and you're in women's gathering, and you begin to say, yeah, my dad wasn't there for me either. And When you begin to feel the need to remind everybody that your dad wasn't there for you and then you tell him all the things that he did. Listen, that's an identity issue. We must, ladies, get to a point where you define yourself by your relationship with God the Father and not by your earthly father alone. Otherwise, you'll live in temporary security that leaves as soon as the man does or as soon as you can no longer perform. Your insecurity will be the end of you. This need to be noticed will destroy you. And it has over and over and over in many relationships. Your relationships with your girlfriends, you won't want them. You'll have jealousy towards them. And I've seen this happen. Like a girl that's had a dad that was there, that chased after Jesus, that did the right things. I'm sure he failed, but he, he chased after Jesus. All of a sudden, these girls who didn't have dads like that, they don't like this other girl because she had a dad. Well, she had a good dad. All of a sudden, jealousy surfaces, slander and bitterness. Listen, ladies, there needs to be a stake in the ground moment said, from this day forward, my identities in God the Father and not my earthly father. Or you will never overcome trying to perform, trying to get notice in this world that we live in. 
If you don't settle this issue, you will seek beauty and security in a bunch of places. And it begins with your looks, just like we saw in that opening video. How long did it take for you to get ready this morning? Let me ask you this. Is it normal in your house for you to hear from your husband five or six times, honey, you look great, honey, you look great, honey, you look great, honey, you look beautiful, honey, you look beautiful. Does that surface continually over, is that the normal operating procedure in your house? You fix yourselves up, I mean, you've colored your hair and you could go through the whole rainbow of colors. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Trying to get affirmed. Is that still your normal operating procedure to hear from him, from your man, You look good. How many times, men, have you actually said to your wife, baby, you look great, and she goes in and changes her outfit? How many have been there? Let me just say something. That shouldn't be normal operating procedure. Listen to me. There's an insecurity issue at the root of doing that. If you're looking for the perfect outfit, nothing wrong with clothes. I love buying outfits for my wife. I love getting outfits for my daughter. But that in itself doesn't give them security. It just doesn't give them security. You see, if you don't believe it in here, that you're beautiful and the king's enthralled with your beauty, nothing that you do out here will ever make you feel completely beautiful in a permanent way. Not Hugh Hefner and not Brad Pitt will ever make you feel beautiful. Only God the Father can make you feel beautiful because you are his daughter. Listen carefully to these words. The king is enthralled with your beauty. Another way that you'll try to get noticed, the fight to be noticed. You know what you do? You you, you do it through your kids. Way too many ladies let their children's behavior, choices, successes, and failures undermine their beauty. Sometimes it's like, well, my kid got like a B in this class and he's not the smartest. Or they're not the best volleyball player. Or like they're, they're not the, the captain of the cheerleading squad. Or they, they, didn't get, they weren't the, the student that got the most awards. And all of a sudden, you're sitting at these award ceremonies. You're like, you're angry. It's like, I've seen, like, instead of saying, praise God, my kid got a B. Praise God, they're studying. Praise God, they're learning. Praise God, they're chasing after Jesus. And your identity, because of the insecurity and the need to be noticed, it's like when your kid walks across, let me ask you a question. When your kid walks across, do you feel better about yourself? <laughs> Look at me. Listen, at the root of that is sin. It's called insecurity. If your kids need to perform in order for you to feel good about yourself, then your security is rooted in insecurity and it's a lie from the enemy. How does that also play out? Another one here. Way too many moms put too much pressure on their daughters to date and always have a guy on their shoulder. You better do it because that's the way we did it. We had a girlfriend since the fifth grade and you are your boyfriend and you are too from the fifth grade on. You you will have a man by your side. That's what happened to me, that security. And it's like, hey, and so you post all these pictures and you watch them grow up and they have these boys by their side. And say, hey, you see his boyfriend? And you begin, let me, the minute you begin to feel better about yourself because your daughter's got a boyfriend on her shoulder, listen, you are asking to be noticed. There's an insecurity issue there. What you're doing, moms, is setting your children up for failure. 
you're building their beauty on whether or not they have a man through junior high and high school. What if we build them up by the way they chase after Jesus Christ? What if, what if we just celebrate, like, my child loves Jesus Christ, number one. How many high school ceremonies do you go to where your child gets acknowledged for chasing after Jesus Christ? It's one of the reasons, I'm just being honest, I love Fight Club graduations. I just do. I love watching men walk up with their families, walking up to a microphone with their families, whether it's a brother or sister or or accountability partner or mom or dad. I love it when it's the wife and the kids and he says, my name is, and then people cheer, not because he's Fight Club, but because he chased after Jesus for 12 weeks. That, I remember my wife saying, Jim, she said, I've never been anywhere at all where a large group of people got to whistle and holler because a man loves Jesus Christ. So what are you trying to make your children become? Like, they're good at soccer. I feel good about me. They got a boyfriend. I feel good about me. Way too many ladies are living through their daughters. Boyfriends. Another way, ladies, that you try to overcome this need to be noticed in an inappropriate way. It's through men. You feel beautiful when some guy pays you a little attention. Your identity comes when some guy flirts with you. By the way, this could be married or unmarried. So you will dress or dress less to get his attention. Let me ask you a personal question. Even today, did you dress to attract or dress attractively? Like when you... Woke up today, did you think, oh, I kind of like this. I bet I'll get some compliments. Did you dress to attract the eyes of other men or did you dress attractively because you're already beautiful? Now listen, there's nothing wrong with dressing attractively. I love the fashion that my wife has and my daughter. I like when they dress attractively because I know that their security is in God and as best as I know, they're not trying to, to get another man. And by the way, if they're looking for another man, I need to do some work around the home to make sure my wife's not needing another man. Beth Moore had something to say about women and the way they dress, and I, it's best coming from her instead of me saying this because she can say some things that I can't say. So just listen to her in this audio clip about dress. Mean girls dress provocatively around other women's men. You keep your breasts to yourself. Anybody? And don't tell me anybody is dressing by accident. We are very aware of what we're putting on before we leave the house. And you know what I cannot stand about a mean girl like that? Most of the time she doesn't even care about that guy. She just wants the power of knowing he would look and that he's her man but would still look at her. And my man, you know it, you have experienced it. Experienced it. Anybody? Anybody want to argue with that one? Remember when a mom said to me, I just wish 
girls had some idea of what they're putting these boys through. And being a woman and raising two daughters, I said, are you out of your mind? Of course they know what they're putting them through. That's why they're doing it. (laughs) It's power. It's power. It's a good question to ask yourself, ladies. See, if you begin to do that, there's an insecurity issue. If you're trying to get noticed by another man, especially if you're married, it's sin, but it's an insecurity issue. I love what she had to say there. You know, and I, 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 keep them to yourselves and save them for your husbands, what I would add to that. I can talk that way because I'm a married man. Way too many women have settled in this area. You want to be pursued, and rightly so. Men, we need to be pursuing our wives so that they don't need another man's attention and affirmation. You want to be chased down, so you take the first man on the block that will affirm you because your beauty, your identity is wrapped up in words instead of in Jesus Christ. Another man will never give you the proper identity that you need. Your identity is in being a redeemed follower of Jesus Christ who loved you so much that he gave his life for you. And the Bible says that Father God is enthralled by your beauty. He is wild about you. In fact, look what else this passage says. Look at verse 12. Verse 11 says, let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honor him for he is your Lord. Verse 12, the city of Tyr will come with a gift. People of wealth will seek your favor. In other words, there'll be all kinds of people who try to woo you in. But it says this, all glorious is the princess within her what? Chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. Here's the problem. Way too many princesses have left the palace and went to the slums and the alleys of life looking for the words of affirmation in the dumpsters and garbage cans called other men when you already have it in Jesus Christ. Stay in the palace. Stay in your home. And find your identity in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are a daughter of the king who's enthralled with your beauty. Ladies, get out of the trash and stay in the palace. See, you do not need a man to make you feel beautiful. Way too many of you have settled. Ask yourself this question. Those of you who are dating right now, ask yourself this question. Is this man really the one for me? Or am I hoping he becomes the one for me? So, so think about your man. Think about your list. Think about what you, you, you should be chasing after as a redeemed follower of Christ. Are you dating this man and saying, boy, I hope he turns into that man. Boy, I hope one day he follows hard after Jesus. I hope my influence on him pushes him to God. Are you dating someone that's not that man or is the man that you hope he becomes one day? Listen to me. If you're dating a man and you have to answer that question with uncertainty, listen, it could be a time and season to say, we need to break off this relationship until you get your ducks in order with God. Then and only then will I consider you being a part of my life, investing in my life, and then and only then will we have something because we're both chasing after Jesus. See, that's hard though. It's like, because if you have insecurity issues, 
You want that man because he can provide, and you're out in public, and you've got a boyfriend. It's like, yeah, look, look, look at that girl. Look, she's doing Look, Look at him. Seriously, answer the question. Is the man on your shoulder that you're dating really the man that he should be walking with Jesus, or are you hoping he becomes that man? Then maybe God's saying, you know what, it's time to pull up. I'm breaking off this relationship until you become the man. Because listen, generally speaking, he'll never become that man if he's not becoming that man right now. The best thing you could do for yourself is to break off this relationship. Because of this insecurity, many women are settling in this issue. In fact, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You don't think that's true? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I mean, Paul gives us a reminder about what can happen in relationships. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul gives this reminder. In dating, in relationships. Look what he says. In marriage, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13 says, You say food for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for what? Sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. I just came across a 17 magazine survey where they surveyed girls ages 15 to 19 years old, all across America. Didn't matter if you're a Christian or non-Christian. And these were the findings. 49% considered oral sex to be not as big a deal as a sexual intercourse. 40% said it did not count as sex. And let me tell you something, gals. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And if you're in a dating relationship right now, if you're in a dating relationship with a man who's pushing you for oral sex, Listen, dump him as soon as you can dump him. That's not a man that you want to spend time with. Somewhere, truth has gotten twisted so far and so out of, twisted, so out of sorts that somehow girls now in dating relationships, listen, junior high girls are going to football games where this is a regular activity after the games thinking this isn't intercourse, this isn't sex. Listen, that's sexual immorality and it's called S-I-N, sin, and it goes against our God and it hurts his heart. 55% of 15 and 19 year olds reported that they were actively involved in oral sex. A Manhattan psychologist said this, was quoted as saying that oral sex is now like a good night kiss. Wow. You see, if someone doesn't stand up, dads, moms, We need to get into conversations with our kids and we need to be engaging them and talking to them and guiding them, instructing them and open up God's word and said, stand above this. This is a lie from the pit of hell. Your identity is not wrapped up in sexual intimacy with a man out of marriage that's called sin. Stand above it. God honors those that honor him and he he will reward those with those who live in obedience. That's the stuff you need to feed your kids. But he's got a man on her shoulder. He's like the football stud. Yeah, but he's sinning. Listen to me, ladies. If you don't get this one down, you will spend the rest of your lives seeking false security and beauty. 
in the fight to be noticed, make sure you seek the attention of the right person and not for security. You know what else happens to ladies because of this need to be noticed? You want to see how else it gets twisted? Not only was it through, through, through men, but through the pursuit of power. In the fight to be noticed, women seek power so that they can gain control of their situation so that they can fill the void in their hearts of insecurity. And this temporary power makes them feel secure. These were just some headline phrases that I surfaced or, or uh, surfed the internet this week regarding mainstream magazines regarding women. These were like, these were articles that were written regarding women that want to get power. Here's an article. Pick him up tips. Another article titled, Make Your Ex-Boyfriend Want You Back. Another article, Get Him to Do Anything You Want. Another article, 30 Days to Girl Power. Another article, 420 Ways to Be a Knockout. Another article, Dress to Thrill Another Man. At the root of this is sin, and it's a simple desire to be affirmed. And somewhere along the path, someone's got to stop and say, no more. I am a child of the wom- a woman of God and a daughter of the king, and he's enthralled with my beauty, and my beauty is wrapped in my identity in Jesus Christ, and that's more than enough. Can I just have one amen? Just, just one amen. Let me also say this, ladies. I want you to know that God loves you way more than any earthly father can love you. And no respectable man wants to be a girl's boy toy. Just like you, guys want to be treated as human beings. So deep down, a guy that, that, that a respectable man that's going to let you do this to him and, and, and have power over him and have provocative power over him and use, use your woman power over him to get what you want. If that man lets you do that, then he's not a respectable man. That's a man that only wants to date you. That's a man that only wants to have sex with you. That's not a man that wants to marry you. So where does that stem from? It stems from the beginning of time when Eve believed a lie from the enemy that said, if you eat this fruit, guess what? You will have power and be like God. Eat it, you'll be like God. It's like, oh, look at that power I'll have. And since the beginning of time, in the garden, when she fell in sin, obviously Adam did too, when she went after that power, for the rest of the lives of women thereafter, you will want that power too in an ungodly way because it came from the beginning of the fall of man. And by the way, you know what the consequences of that sin was for women? It says, because of this sin, that man will rule over you. Don't you just love that, ladies? I mean, I mean, I mean, you will never submit to a man if you aren't already submitting to God. Let me, seriously, like if I said, like, we're going to, the next six weeks of messages are going to be on submission. How many of you women would keep coming back? Seriously, how many? Like, I just want to give a, a message on godly submission. By the way, there is, a, there is a message on godly submission, and it's a man that's tenderly leading and following hard after God, where a woman willingly follows a man. And, and in any case, there's a whole bunch. But how many of you just love that word? Like, I just love to submit. So, like, I woke up this morning, and I couldn't wait to submit. It just, it's just natural for me. It's like, it's like, it's part of my DNA. I, yeah, baby, I'll submit to you 24-7. How many of you woke up and said, praise God for submission? Thank you, Eve. Thank you. 
If you're dead, you are abnormal. <laughs> See, Eve wanted power to be like God. And the result of that, man would rule over here, not dominate her, but in a tender way, be the leader of the family, be the head of the household as Christ is the head of the church. And by the way, if you're dating a man who is not submitting to God, then guess what? You're not submitting to God either. So if you got like this relationship, it's like, well, you know, he's, he comes once in a while, but you know, he's not fully submitted, but he'll get there one day. Let me tell you something. If you've entrusted a relationship to a man like that, guess what? You're not submitting to God either. So you're both in sin. So from that day, women have a love-hate relationship with man. Wanting a man's love, but resisting the idea that any man should have authority over her. And so Satan twists it. You go and get power and pursue that power by your looks, by the way you dress. And it has a twofold benefit for you. You got power, plus you feel better about yourself temporarily. Can you see how twisted it is? Seriously, how many married women do that? Submission is not easy to come by. Sexual power can be intoxicating, perhaps even addicting to a woman. At the root of this behavior, often a woman still longs to be noticed by her dad. And she is actually saying, listen, this is what you're saying. See, dad? Someone really does love me and I'm worthy of attention and affection. So when you do that, you're saying, see, dad? Someone does love me. See, dad, someone's noticing me. See, dad, I'm worthy of attention, even though you were never there. See, dad, see, dad, see, dad. I want to say, yes, dad does see you, and he's seen you before you were born, and he's enthralled with your beauty. See, in attempts to fill this God-shaped void, call it a father in your heart, and find security and worth, and women will do most anything to get notice. This is where Satan has it all twisted. I have good news for you. You do not have to do another thing to get noticed by the king. You see, when God looks at you, he sees you as his precious daughter, and you are beautiful to him. If you struggle in this area, just picture God the Father saying, I see you. I think you're beautiful. I'm enthralled with your beauty. I am wild about you. Do a little twirl for me. But the enemy has twisted truth, and here's what he's done. And this is why you pursue this need to be noticed. You start looking at your past, and you think, whoa, man, I was that, and I did this, and I had all those boys, and I was a rebellious kid, and I walked away from that relationship. And all of a sudden, you start looking at your past, and the enemy's saying, keep looking back, keep looking back, keep looking back, because you're worthless. And then the identity you'll find is some man that'll, that'll give you attention for a while, because no man will ever love that. No man would ever go out with a woman that has that past. No man would ever want that. And so you begin to believe that lies, and, and you let that insecurity be the root of the way you live. And Halloween's every day, and you dress according to that. Instead of saying, Jesus died for all that, forgetting what's behind and pressing what's ahead. 
and I press ahead knowing that God died for all that and I can live in security and knowing day after day I am beautiful in his sight. I heard this best put together by a pastor by the name Matt Chandler. He invited this woman who was unsaved to church. And he and some college friends were trying to reach this woman for God. And she was living in, a, in a, an abusive sexual relationship. She wasn't married. And he was trying to reach her. And he said, we just got to get you to church. Just got to get you to church. And so she finally came to church on a Sunday night. And he tells his story. He brings her into church. And she had never been into church. And he was hoping that the message would reach her on her ears. And, and that she would find God's love in a special way. And he was hoping beyond hope that somehow when she showed up, that somehow she would see the love of God instead. This is what she heard. Listen to this. Got up and he said, today I want to talk to you about sex. And so I immediately go, "Uh uh-oh, this could be a problem. And and he took a red rose and he smelled it and he showed how pretty it was. And then he threw it out into the crowd. He goes, everybody needs to smell this. There's about a thousand of us there, almost all of us college and high school. Smell the rose. I want you to smell it. I want you to touch it. I want you to see the texture in it. Do it, do it, and I'm going to teach. And, and then he began what, honestly, up until this day, and this might have to do with my heart. I don't, I'm still wrestling. Um, was one of the worst, most horrific handlings of what sex is and what it isn't that I ever sat through. It, it was fear-mongering at, the, at its best. It was, um, you don't want syphilis, do you? And everybody's smiling and having a good time until there's herpes on your lip. And you, right? And so I'm just thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, and then as it wraps up, he goes, where's my, where's my rose? Where, where, where is it? Where's, where's my rose? And, you know, some kid came up. The rose is just completely jacked up. It's broken. The things are off. The petals are broken. And, and he lifts it up. And his big crescendo, I mean, his point is to hold up that rose and go, now who would want this? Who would want this rose? And I remember feeling anger like real legitimate I want to hurt him anger and it was all I could do not to scream out Jesus wants the rose that's the point of the gospel that Jesus wants the rose that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. Christ won. You're not even teaching the basics of our faith. Let me just say this in closing, ladies. Jesus loves you. He loves your past. He loves your present. He loves your future. There's nothing that you've ever done or ever do that will cause him to love you more or love you less. And when God the Father looks down, he sees his precious daughter. And for those of you who haven't had a father... Let's move past the victim. You've got a father, and it's a God the Father. And he's enthralled with your beauty. And when he sees you, this is how he sees you. Covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, forgiven. You are powerful because of what Christ is doing in you. Your security is in Christ. It's not in what you wear and what you do. You don't have to perform for anybody. God loved you before you breathed your last breath. Listen, this is true. You can be secure in Jesus Christ. You see, somewhere along the road, you got to listen to me. Remember, not please, it said, listen carefully. The author that said, listen, listen carefully. The king is enthralled by your beauty. You don't need a man to find security and identity. You already got it 
and Jesus Christ and God the Father, and that is more than enough. Jesus, I pray in this moment as as our worship bands work their way up here, Lord, in this room I know there's there are women that need to hear this message. Some didn't have a dad. And they're still living a victim's life. Oh God, help them to overcome. Some are letting their past hold them back and thinking that they're not deserving of a godly man. Oh God, help them to see the truth. Some of them are trying to be noticed by men they don't need to be noticed by because of insecurity. Oh God, help them to see that in Christ they are secure. Oh God, I pray for victory, overwhelming victory. I pray that that the enemy would no longer have a foothold in a woman's heart and that they would live to the redemptive potential that you've created them to be. Help them to feel love. God, please, God, I'm sorry for the abuse and what they've had to walk through by some evil man. Please, God, heal their hearts, touch their bodies. Give them a bounce in their step. I pray for boldness and courage amongst the the gals in this room. If they're in relationships where they've settled, where the man isn't fully trusting and running after Jesus, and they're hoping for the best, I pray, God, that they would just walk away. And I pray for men, dads, that they would love their daughters and their wives so that they wouldn't want other men. I don't know where you're at in this room, but I have a suspicion that there's some brokenness and some healing and some recognition that you just need to say, God, here I am. I'm your daughter. I just need a touch. I'm crying out. Touch me, God, as my father. We're about to sing a song that captures those words that the Lord God is with me. And in each venue, in the link, and here in the main, just, I'm just ask everyone to stand right now, please. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, as, as we sing this last song, or maybe we just listen to it, and you're a woman, you're saying, Pastor Jim, I want to do some business with God at the front. Maybe it's just saying, God, I'm sorry. Maybe it's, God, these areas that I'm trying to get noticed, and I don't need that. I just need you. Maybe you just want to come and say, God, I just want to be close to you. As we sing this song, ladies, I'm going to ask you just come and, and kneel at the front and just spend time with the Father God of the universe that is enthralled with your beauty. Just come, just come as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.